back. Uh, hello, it's the Freelance Heroes podcast. We're here. I've missed being in your ear. It's good to be here again. Uh, and thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time, there's so many episodes to listen back on. Uh, so we'd love to know which of those were your favourites um, and what you want to get out of this second season. What do you want to listen to? What is going to help you in your freelance business? You tell me the topics. I'll get the best people to answer your questions as well. As always, you can go to uh, our website, freelance-heroes.com to look back at all the podcasts that are recorded. Um, But equally as well, um, if you email us podcast at freelance-heroes.com, then you can email me directly with your views, your thoughts, and as I say, what you want to hear from these future episodes too. So let's crack on with this week's, and I think perfectly titled for the start of this second season, Connect, Collaborate and Celebrate. And this was recorded during this year's European Freelancers Week, uh, which is an annual event that recognises freelancing across the continent and it's all about community building and it's an event that provides the opportunity for freelancers to come together to focus on issues close to them and to take collective action as well and we're going to talk to a few people involved in European Freelancers Week, uh, what it's about, uh, why it's so important, why actually it, this need for collective support is uh, not restricted to one week, but actually it's a mission that we all need to play our part in as well. So enjoy. Uh, this is uh, our Connect, Collaborate and Celebrate episode. Hello and uh, welcome to Freelance Heroes Live, um, which is not just an excuse to chat about freelancer stuff. It's also day five of uh, 2021 European Freelancers Week as well, which ran from Monday the 18th and runs until this coming Sunday the 24th. There's an element, I remember European Freelancers Week used to run for about 10 days, which I thought was a beautiful kind of irony about how flexible freelancers need to be European Freelancers Week was a lot longer than a week, but there you go. Um, and uh, I um, am delighted to be joined by Alina and Janine, uh, who are founders uh, and organisers of, of European Freelancers Week. Good afternoon to you. Hi. Hi. Now, Alina, you're from uh, the beautiful city of Brussels. Almost, yes. Correct. <laughs> Almost, just outside. And Janine, where are you? I am in Oosterhout in the Netherlands, which is uh, in the south of the Netherlands, halfway between Brussels and Amsterdam. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, and I'm here in quite sunny St. Ives in Cambridgeshire as well, which is uh, which is nice. So uh, here we are in European Freelancers Week, which has clearly had the message of connect, collaborate and celebrating freelancers. Uh, Elena, I'd like to start with you, if I may. You know, what's been the main goal that you want European the legacy that you want European Freelancers Week to have ah well excellent yeah uh, excellent question thanks a lot uh, what I really like about European Freelance Week is that it um, collects and combines together uh, organizations freelancers anyone who is active in freelancing ecosystem to actually come together uh, discuss what are they doing you know what are the issues and opportunities most of all uh, and how they can support the freelance economy so f- with that that mission really resonates with what i do with freelance business community and i always wanted to support uh this movement and provide my resources to make sure that it, it runs uh every year uh, so i guess janine can give a bit more introduction in terms of what ef week is about uh, but from our perspective the the vision and the mission that freelancers needs to be supported and there is no one yet to support them really resonated uh, with me and I wanted to contribute uh, to that. Which beautifully segues then to to Janine for your answer too. Yeah, I think um, one of the one of the the things that has uh, become clear to us uh, through the years is, and especially the past two years, has been um, no one is coming to save us. We're going to have to save ourselves, and so, which is why the theme for this year is um, is uh, collective action by freelancers. And um, and are as as at this moment, 
Um, I'm with the European um, uh, Co-working Assembly and uh, not a freelancer's organization. And one of the things that we see in the freelance universe is that, um, number one, um, uh, it's very much a similar path that was tread by co-working. And that is that until we, that, the fact is independent co-working spaces, um, community co-working spaces are by every metric, the largest and most important force in co-working. And however, we were for many years, not part of the conversation except among ourselves because we did not speak together. And so the path of creating an assembly for that purpose is very much the path that we see in terms of freelancers, because among freelancers the, the, at this moment, I mean, so many of the issues are similar. Like not not all the freelancers consider themselves freelancers. They don't think of themselves as freelancers. Many, many, probably more than half of the people who we would talk about when we talk about freelancers do not recognize themselves in that word. And so why do you, why do you think that might be? Um, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's I, why it is. I don't know. I think that they just consider themselves other things for many years for a whole, for a whole demographic, the term freelancer means, uh, unemployed. And that, that was a reality prior to about 2015, 2016. That was just sort of, it was a joke, right? That's what everybody said. Freelancer meant you were unemployed. And there's a segment of freelancers, which is by far a minority of freelancers, but nevertheless, they do exist, that um, that is, is doing great as freelancers. They are doing fabulous. And then there's a whole class of people who I think count in or ought to count in the definition of freelancers who, um, for instance, people who start their own business because uh, they have no choice, right? Um, I call them the accidental entrepreneurs, and I am the third generation of accidental entrepreneur in my family, so I know what it is. And um, accidental entrepreneurs do not necessarily think of themselves as freelancers, and yet uh, the issues they're facing, the problems they have, the the uh, path they need to walk is the same path. And so what happens when we talk about freelancers is we end up talking about this 3%, and it it um, limits the conversation in terms of the context in which we're doing business. I think every person I've spoken to that is a freelancer, including my own coworkers, believes that uh, the things that happen to them are the result of their own choices and um, often, you know, sort of agonize over those choices. Is it that choice that I made? Is it that thing that I decided to do that has got me in this, you know, situation that I'm in? Um, the truth is, most of the problems that they face are structural. And uh, dealing with structural problems is not going to happen on an individual basis. Uh, so much to un unravel there. I, I just want to invite those, uh, for those of you who are watching, I'd love to know your feeling. Leave in the comments box, do you call yourself a freelancer? Do you see yourself as a freelancer? Is a freelancer in your definition a positive term? Or a negative term, and and why that might be. Uh, we'd love to uh, to read your comments and and discuss about them too. Elena, is this much like your experience too? That that freelancing is you know really battling this image problem that it's almost created for itself. Oh, actually, absolutely. Yeah, I went through exactly the same story when uh, when I became independent. I prefer not to be called a freelancer because in my definitions, it was like, yeah, it's something not right. I'm not a freelancer. I'm a consultant. I'm a kind of higher category of those, which is quite, quite strange. And once we started developing freelance business community, I realized that we have to talk about freelancing as uh, and freelancers as uh, high level experts and well uh, educated and skilled professionals. So we launched the campaign, I am freelance. So just to illustrate the fact that you don't need to be embarrassed by being freelancer, right? You don't need to invent any other names. And to be honest with you, throughout this week, we had several discussions and several sessions um, where we spoke with community owners, uh, community leaders, platform owners about the terminology. And also the opening of EF Week uh, touched upon that that particular subject of terminology, uh, and it's still not unified. There are so many definitions around independent professionals uh, or freelancers that it's even confusing, right? Who are the gig workers? Are there freelancers also? Uh, people on demand or whatever you call them. 
are they freelancers or what what who are they who are those people so there's definitely lots of confusion still in that field and i think collective action as janine said would help us to um put the proper definitions uh who is who because also that goes into um if we look at the higher level of uh, research of the you know uh freelancing resources that are available in europe uh, actually counting experts like consultants together with uh, 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 blue-collar workers uh, and taxi drivers and stuff like that. So it's a bit confusing to actually see the proper numbers behind the uh, freelancers in Europe. Um, yeah. It's because I'm curious to know uh, as well, uh, we'll come to, to Adrian's comments in a second, because so uh, can I ask, Alina, what is it you do I know, but for the purpose of those listening, what is it you do when you're not organising European Freelancers Week and uh, Freelance Business Month? Yeah, I'm event producer by by my business. That is what I do. This is the service I sell, uh, and sometimes it's uh, it yeah, depending on the situation, it was difficult really to gain place at the table to talk to a customer directly unless you go via like backdoor and you know try to promote yourself things have changed to be honest with pandemic because uh we realized that there is acceptance more acceptance of that type of services and being remote and servicing clients or working in the teams remotely without necessarily being in the office uh so definitely things are changing um but but yeah, the recognition of you as an expert was a bit of a tougher, tougher journey for me. And actually, it's kind of a story of both ends because I started independency, uh, became, uh, became independent because I wanted to show my expertise. It was too tight for me to work in a company already in this tight frames. But at the same time, once you go independent, it, it's also a very tough job to show your expertise and professionalism uh, to the level that is expected. Um, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm sorry, Janine. I'm going to just ask Alina one more question because I've only got it for four more minutes. But I'm curious to know, Alina, do you do you ever doubt it? Because I'm going to play devil's advocate here uh, and say, actually, does it really matter if we call ourselves a freelancer? Because it's just a label. I'm going to come to Adrian's comments in a moment. But James here says, I didn't walk around calling myself employed or an employee before starting my business, so I don't use the free word the the word freelancer much. At all. So playing devil's advocate, other than, of course, the legal status that we need to be known by for the purposes of taxation, etc. Does the term freelancer and, you know, is it does it matter and should it matter? As a matter of fact, maybe not, because I can be a freelancer, but still have a company entity behind me and work alone in a company setting. Right. Uh, at least in Belgium. Uh, so you may have a corporate tax uh, if you decide. So if your revenue allows, or you can still uh, run an independent business as as a freelancer under different status and different tax rate, for instance. So as a matter of fact, it probably doesn't matter. Um, I guess what I talk about is uh, not being afraid to stand up for yourself as independent, um, and and not being discouraged by you know whatever you may hear about freelancers that it's not. Uh, a first choice uh, of of uh, expertise. So that was my point. Um, Adrian here says freelancer is one of those names I call myself in the same way that I call myself a child or a parent, depending on my audience and the standard understanding of the client group I'm with at the time. I'm going to ask um, you the same question today before we say goodbye to Alina. Um, does does the term matter? A freelancer should it matter? It doesn't matter if what you're talking about is your personal perspective talking to people that you know or don't or, or, or are trying to get to know. It doesn't doesn't matter very much in that sort of individual situation. It matters if you pull back and you want to talk about, which is really what the what the EF week as a, a, a sort of area of concentration within the freelance business month, the European Freelancers Week is very specifically about the full economic ecosystem and political ecosystem that we are doing business in. There is a class of people in Europe who have, I'm going to shock you now, Ed, there is a class of people in Europe and the United Kingdom who have no civil rights. They mm. are not protected against race discrimination. They are not protected against gender discrimination. They're not protected against age discrimination. Wage and hour laws do not apply to them. Um, 
I can go on. This is one of my favorite soapboxes, and I can go on for 40 minutes, and I'm not going to, but um, I promise. But um, if you go right down our civil rights legislation, all of it in Europe is based on the notion, there's two notions available. One of them is employment. That requires an employer-employee relationship. Everything that falls outside of that is not protected. If, you're, if, a, if, a, if a company wants to only give contracts to 24-year-old blonde women with large breasts, they can. It's not a problem at all. Um, and um, we have, as a society, decided that would not really be the right thing, would it? And so we have laws against that, right? And um, uh, But but there is an entire class of people to whom those laws, those protection, I haven't even started on pensions, sick leave, right? All of those things, there's a class of people to whom that does not apply. And um, that class has different needs, different countries across Europe um, deal with this class of people differently, as Elena points out. Um, some of them treat them like businesses themselves. Some of them treat them like there are a lot of different ways to go about it. But the truth is this class of persons um, a place in society, role in the economic and political ecosystem needs to be looked at carefully and not just passed off with like, oh, well, they're just like businesses, which they're not. Oh, well, they're just like employees. They're not that either. We need to look at that. And so to that extent, what we call them matters really a lot. So um, I know, Alina, you've got to run. Is there anything you wanted to add before you before you disappear? Uh, well, no, I can just uh, only support what uh, Janine has said uh, and recognition and access to social, uh, well, basic social rights is still uh, a big subject in some of the European countries. So it's definitely, that is also the purpose of EF Week that we talk about it because uh, being here in Belgium and maybe in UK and Netherlands, we are quite secured and protected. So to be honest, before I started digging into the subject, I felt like life is beautiful everywhere <laughs> for freelancers in that sense, which is not the case. And we hear terrible, terrible uh, stories coming from Eastern Europe, for instance, um, and some other countries. So definitely there is a lot to be done. And I hope uh, this initiative will continue uh, driving this this thought forward. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Alina. Lovely to see you again. Sorry that you've got to go, but All right. such is life. Nice <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Janine, just for anyone who's unaware from your perspective, um, Tell us what it is you do outside of organizing the European Freelancers Week, if you will. Well, the European Freelancers Week is actually a project of the um, uh, European Co-working Assembly, and I'm involved with the European Co-working Assembly. We took on uh, the EF Week. So we're, we're not actually a freelancers organization at all. We took on uh, for many years. Uh, we were a supportive partner of the EF Week. That is to say we had the co-working spaces, so we had the place to hold the events. That was what we did. We provided the place. And um, then uh, because of the development inside the organization that ran the uh, European Freelancers Week, um, suddenly, rather abruptly, about two months before the European Freelancers Week, um, the organization sort of disappeared. And um, that, uh, that year, we essentially uh, felt that it important that the European Freelancers Week continue to exist. And so we picked it up and carried it forward in a rather desperate way <laughs> because it was really short notice. And um, then the following, and, and I'm not, let me see if I remember right. Anyway, the following year was the pandemic year. And so mm -hmm. for entirely external reasons, there was going to be an EF week and, and that we, we couldn't, um, we, we couldn't see happen. And so um, in the meantime, we came in contact with quite a lot of sort of freelancers organizations such as yours and Alina's and Robert's and um, our very explicit, I think, um, objective is uh, to having seen the benefit of a Europe-wide organization um, for what is a majority population only not handled as a majority population because not speaking with one voice. Um, our sort of very explicit, pure intention in this is to try and get a coalition of freelance groups to drive the EF Week forward. Really important question, but it's not a it's not a question, honestly. 
I also think it's inappropriate for us to drive the subject. I clearly, as you see, have an opinion, but um, but the actual resolution, what freelancers should call themselves, what's the best way um, to grapple with these issues? That's for the freelancers. It's it's really I'm I am in a different sector, in fact, and so no, I, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I want to invite, by the way, anyone who has questions that they want to ask. I mean, it could be about the European Co-working Assembly, but also about European Freelancers Week or the state of freelancing across Europe too. Um, then, if you have your questions, pop them in the comments box, uh, and we'll be um, delighted. Uh, and we've got a couple of videos to show you as well regarding uh, some freelancers' feelings around the state of uh, freelancing as well. But I want to come back to the points that you're talking about. Um, and about the rights that freelancers have, because there's an image problem that is dealt with from internally about how people define themselves. And there are many freelancers who see the word freelancer as a negative term, and that's okay. That's for them to deal with uh, and entirely up to them. And, and if they want to call themselves freelancers, fine. But my question is more about what should governments do? Because Take the UK alone. There are 2 million freelancers in the UK. There's just under 5 million self-employed across the UK. Many of those are in the gig economy and they batch them all together. So if you're a creative who works with multiple clients, you're in the same um, pool as an Amazon driver, delivery driver, for example. Um, now, personally, I don't understand that. I think there should be a, a dedicated secretary for the 2 million UK freelancers that there are. Um, whether that's like to happen, I think uh, we'll, we'll soon to see, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So my question to you, Janine, and being more aware of this from a pan-European perspective too, what should governments do to support freelancers, given that the number of freelancers is clearly rising, the pandemic will probably fuel a few more freelancers too. So therefore, yeah, hell of a lot of voting uh, pools are available for, for governments to want to support them. So what should governments do uh, to, to support freelancers more widely, in your opinion? Wow. Well, the person that uh, could really answer that question with some specificity has left the call, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but uh, we have put together um, a freelancers manifesto or the EF Week manifesto, and it is um, it pretty much outlines in terms of like general objectives, policy suggestions, what we think, where we think governments should start. So I think freelancers need recognition. They need a voice. They need official status. That means that government players need to grapple with exactly the question you mentioned. The women making um, jewelry on Etsy are in the same category from the perspective of the U.S. government as um, a, an attorney in a sole practice. And I think it's fair to say that those two people have sufficiently different needs in terms of their business that uh, them being in the same category makes no sense. And um, and yet, because we don't grapple, the only division we have is employed, not employed. Um, mm. So, and then we have self-employed, which is a little tricky. <laughs> um, and even that, and even that's divided based on the way that the, uh, the the business is set up as well. That's right. And so, the self-employed, we've we've grappled with the question because entrepreneurship is, um, I mean, let's it, it, it is core to the. Um, not only core to the economy, but core to the legend. And this is one of the things, so in some ways, the, the problem is the storytelling. Because we tell stories about entrepreneurs, um, <coughs> but we don't tell stories about freelancers. <clears throat> and that is what we mean by like recognition. And under recognition is definition. We need, as, we need uh, a name. We need uh, uh, a lot of freelancers don't like freelancer. People like uh, to call themselves independents. People like to call themselves consultants. People like to call themselves, um, yeah, I mean, there's a million names. But uh, ultimately, what gives weight and power to names is it's the acknowledgement of those names by the government. And so, um, again, like both government and also, you know, large business players need to need to grapple with these questions. Um, uh, regulation, when we, when we make new regulations about employment, about industry, about um, uh, this year with the COVID support, it's quite spotty right across Europe how well that was handled. I will say 
there is evidence of you know lights in 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 what was formerly at a completely dark um, area because nearly every European country acknowledged the existence of freelancers in its COVID support, and that uh, some of them did it uh, what I would consider well, some of them did it what I would consider badly, but the existence was acknowledged everywhere, and frankly, that it is a is a step forward from where it was in say 2015-16 when the EF week started. Um, one of the things that freelancers could use is access. We could use access to um, contract bidding. If you go to, for instance, if you go to the EU um, grants, right? They have a whole website, puts up other grants, public calls for you know grant applications and that stuff. One of the things they have, which is quite primitive but quite promising, is a way for uh, freelancers and small businesses to say, "I would like to be part of the coalition." that um, offers a bid on this contract. And you can just list yourself. And then the um, larger players who are more likely to be writing the grant, right, um, uh, can contact you for your expertise in this area. That is an extremely, it, it, it is not, I mean, I'm not holding it up as an amazing example, but it's a start. Um, that kind of access, to training programs, official contracts, funding um, needs to be considered by governments. As you say, it's it, 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 if it has not already dawned, the day is coming quite soon that the majority of people working in the nation are not employees. It's, so, um, yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's uh, I mean, the the, uh, the pandemic response from the UK government was, I thought the furlough scheme was a, a great scheme. I think it was very supportive for businesses, but three million freelancers and self-employed people were ignored because of um, they were too new, so they hadn't filed a tax return yet, or because they reinvested rather than took a salary out and therefore paid themselves from dividends at the end of the tax year, so they were excluded too. And, I mean, there's the excluded uh, UK movement, which just goes to show some of the shocking um, impact of that lack of support during COVID too. And, and again, you know, I don't understand why the government didn't listen to people who were quite frankly taking their own lives, uh, literally, um, because they couldn't see a way out of the, the financial stresses that they were under, uh, making an assumption on some of them. But I don't understand why governments are so blind to this, because, because it, it works in everyone's favour, doesn't it? It does, but it's the reason that they're so blind to it is is really, honestly, it's what, what we started with. So we've come neatly full circle in this conversation, uh, which is uh, is in co-working, which is, which is what I'm in, um, independent spaces, community spaces, mom and pop shops, small, small co-working spaces, neighborhood co-working spaces are every metric by square meters, by revenue, by profit, by employees, by impact on the local community, every single one of them, we are not a little bit the largest player. We are by four or five times the largest player in this market. Now, if they talk on CNN about co-working, are they talking to community co-working at all? No, they're not, right? Because we don't speak with one voice, we are splintered. And the reason that governments do not do things that are, really ought to be self-evident um, is that the not employed do not speak with one voice or even five voices. Hmm. They speak with millions of voices. And the government can't hear millions of voices unless they speak all at the same time. <laughs> and, uh... and even though they couldn't decipher them anyway. Because uh, co-working has got its own image issue as well, of course. You know, that... Um... Uh, it, it, and it has its own strange relation, strained relationship with freelancers in many cases, because if I take and, it, and it's down to the co-working space, too, if I take an example of some of the co-working spaces in London, they don't really understand freelancers or want freelancers in quite the same way they would prefer startup teams to base themselves out of the co-working spaces, understandably so, you know, it's more profitable, etc. Um, but then there's also the term of co-working, which which struggles with its own internal image problem as well, I suspect. I don't know if that's European-wide, but certainly seems to be the case here whenever it's a conversation that comes up in Freelance Heroes. It's global. 
Ed, it's global. I mean, it's absolutely global. And I have to say that I I have been in co-working for so long um, that I it it. it I confess that sometimes it makes me smile because we are continually the word co-working was never protected by anybody. And that was on purpose because it was essentially released to the public as uh, a thing that needed to be defined by the crowd. And so um, I think in many places, I think in Australia, for example, I think in many places um, they're moving into a a post co-working kind of stage where essentially what I would call co-working spaces are not calling themselves co-working spaces because they, they, they have just like a freelancer, they have associations with the word that they don't like. And I um, myself have always said, if you can, if you can uh, in co-work in, in open co-working we have the five values. And if you can say, that you can get down with all of the five values without actually cracking a smile, right? Then I will call. You, I will be happy to call you co-working. I just absolutely. I will. I will include you in my club. And I don't actually, you know, like as you say, when we're talking to each other, it doesn't matter whether they call themselves co-working or not. The thing is, when there is a um common interest that we need to get something done about, then um, uh, people need to um, get together or there's not going to be any change. And so I know over the course of this week, um, you've been asking people for their views on the state of freelancing uh, as well. And I want to ask you in a moment um, what you feel that state of freelancing is or uh, the because obviously we know that there's challenges from the government, but there's also a lot of positives too. But from uh, the front line, what you feel the uh, the state of freelancing is. Um, but let's just hear from uh, one or two of the uh, those who have sent in a video too. This is uh, from Rich Flynn. My name is Rich Flynn, uh, web designer at Wizard Works. Uh, presently, I think the um, state of freelancing is uh, is really good. I think due to consider what's happened over the last approaching two years, it's given a lot of uh, people the opportunity to to start their own business. And people like myself that have been freelancing for a few years, it's given me the opportunity to reevaluate what how I'm working and what I'm doing. And I think as the freelancing sort of area grows going forward, I think there's going to be more support for everybody. So I think it's really good. So it seems to be a positive element to it as well. Here's um, another one, one more that we'll play. This is uh, from uh, Sarah English. Hi, I'm Sarah and my business is Right Idea. I'm a freelance copywriter and social media manager. Um, I think um, through lockdown, a lot of people turn to freelancing as um, something to supplement their um, money coming in. Um, which I think is amazing. I've certainly helped a few businesses get up and running off the ground themselves. Um, the future of freelancing, um, I think is only going to get more and more popular. Um, I think more freelancers will emerge and uh, I'm happy to support them as well. So lovely to meet you guys. See you soon. Bye. Uh, so uh, some very positive messages there. From your perspective, what's the state of freelancing like? You know, I think I think at this moment, the state of freelancing, like everything else, is in something of a state of flux, because, um, as she said, I mean, I started my co-working space and my 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 journey into this subject matter um, during the during the Great Recession. And during that time, it was uh, in some ways um, it depends on how you look at it. Right. If you look at it in terms of sheer numbers, the, the numbers of freelancers popping up at that time was enormous. Right. It was like a tidal wave. And that was because of changes in society. And those changes were not universally positive. But at the end of the day, many of those people remained in an entrepreneurial calling. Many of them intended to freelance only long enough until they found a job and found that they quite liked freelancing and continued doing it. And so, you you know, what you had is a huge peak and then that peak uh, flattened out at a higher plateau than when it started. And I suspect we're going to see something similar um, as a result of the pandemic. I also think that as your first uh, video said, and I think it's very perceptive of him, I think that there a world of possibilities for inclusion and diversity occurred um, be forced because of the pandemic. There are whole communities that had been excluded 
who suddenly were included. And uh, it is one of the things that I don't want to see us lose when we go back. I, I Everybody keeps talking about go back, right? And uh, I keep using the same phrase. But the truth is, we're not going to go back. We're going to go forward. We never go back. I've never in my lifetime, I have been through um, at least one other viral pandemic in my lifetime. And um, we didn't go back. We went forward. Things changed. And, the, and, and what we considered normal became different. And it was not you know, eternal crisis. Humans can't live in eternal crisis. But um, the place that we come back to is going to be different than the place that we left. That's just a fact. What it it's going to be like, Ed, I have, I, honestly, I think it is so much in a state of flux right across Europe. I would not. I, my crystal ball's in the shop. Uh, I'm going to bring someone in to join us to chat about that in a second. But um, it does go full circle to the point that you raised when you first uh, spoke, which is around how the need for us to support ourselves is greater than ever because there's more people coming on board. There are more people starting as freelancers. There's more people who sort of quickly realise that government support is so varied. So therefore, the internal support that we have within the freelance community is um, needed about as, as much as it's 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 ever been. Um, but let me just um, show you uh, one more video that we received and then we'll hear from the person um, who recorded it. Uh, here we go. I'm Adrian Ashton and freelancing currently is a huge melting pot of opportunity because of structural changes to industry and employment and marketplaces wrought by COVID. And that's probably going to continue for the next few years at least. But in the short term future, it's squeaky bum time for a lot of us because we're facing disproportionate tax hikes being introduced by the UK government and all of the grant support that any of us received through COVID is now at risk of being clawed back. Uh, there is a, that, of course, from um, society that um, the government is going to want a lot of the money back that it's given, but at the same time uh, didn't give uh, a lot to very many self-employed people. Uh, Adrian, welcome uh, to the conversation. Afternoon. And look, we get to see Janine as well, because camera's on, isn't that lovely? Um, so the reason why I brought you in, I, I mean, first of all, what are your thoughts on the, the points that, that Adrian made there, Janine? Um, I think, well, I think that some, I, I, I think that at least one expression and two legal issues are things that I don't know about because they're very UK specific. So sure. um, uh, I, I, I'm interested in hearing about them, um, but um, yeah. There is a, another element which is more European, um, and this is a question that Adrian uh, asked, which is prom what prompted me to invite him into the call. Uh, and rather than bring the question up, I'm going to let you ask it yourself. But why not introduce yourself first, Adrian? Thanks, Ed. So I'm Adrian, as the kind of name on the screen at the bottom gives away. I've been freelancing or self-employed or sole trading or consulting for about 16 years now. Um, my only regret during that time is that I didn't come across the Freelance Heroes group sooner. And um, so, yeah, and I kind of I, I bounce around lots of different industries or doing all sorts of weird kind of research, training, policy work and so on. But my specific interest in European Freelancers Week this time round is the concept of bread funds which I came across a few years ago as a model, which is, and we've, you've, you've touched upon this already this afternoon in the call, which is as freelancers or the self-employed, we have no safety net. We have no voice. We are often, as, as Ed has mentioned as well, we're often overlooked in support packages and programs and initiatives. So a few years ago, and the idea of bread funds came across, it was really interesting, a kind of a, a self-help mutual insurance pot for freelancers that says we cluster together, we all chip in a bit each week, and then it, when, if and when we hit crises, we collectively support each other by dipping into that shared pot, and also in terms of that emotional and practical support by sharing the work. Now, there have been a few attempts to introduce the bread funds model into the UK over the years, but it seems to be relatively quiet at the moment. So I'm just wondering, how is it working with our European neighbours and colleagues um, in that respect? The bird is a Dutch uh, concept, so I'm actually really, really familiar with it, and it um, is an, a very old concept. It dates back to the time of the guilds, actually, um, and so 
in in the Netherlands, broodfondsen are uh, not are for freelancers. They are also for um, I, I know neighborhoods that have one. Um, you, any any group of people that sort of shares a common interest can set up a bread fund. And we actually, it's um, at the European Co-working Assembly, we have a project which is called the Love Matia project. The Matia in question is one of the founders of the EF Week. Um, and uh, Matia's uh, Matia um, has uh, since he died of cancer. And uh, Matia was a freelancer, and he was involved in both the freelance and co-working world. And he was well known and well loved. And when he got cancer, um, there was a huge um, because the 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 protections, as you say, right across Europe, are not equal. Um, so there was a huge fundraising inside of freelancing and co-working. Um, and that gave rise to the Love Matia idea, which is ultimately that um, the idea that bread funds could be set up right across Europe with, it's important that it's the bread fund concept because the bread fund concept is so old and so tested in the Netherlands. There's a lot of law around it. There's a lot of structure around it. And so it's not some kind of weird fly by night idea somebody came up with. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. And so, um, our idea was essentially that co-working spaces could facilitate, not run, but facilitate the setting up of bread funds in uh, for in their communities. So for freelancers, for um, sole traders, for uh, the broadest set of non-employed people that you can imagine. Um, and that that project is very much in its early stages. But um, I, the bread fund is extremely popular here in the Netherlands. It as you say, has been, to my certain knowledge, introduced three times into the UK, and it works, um, but there seem to be um, marketing issues around it that you probably have more insight into than me, because people are not that familiar with the idea of a mutual assurance, because that's exactly what it is, uh, fund. Um, um, I think that, that you know, as soon as you start talking about it, uh, some people start getting nervous and some people just say, oh, I don't need that. Right. But um, I do think that uh, the, the notion of the uh, bread fund is is an extremely um, helpful and exciting notion for um, communities right across Europe. Adrian, what's, so your, what's your sorry? Go on. I guess so maybe it comes back to a point about education and that mm -hmm. as a body of freelancers, as has been mentioned already, we're in the UK very fragmented and mm -hmm. that sense of trying to get a stronger sense of unity between us not maybe you know one central body to rule us all but we have bodies like the FSB for small businesses mm -hmm. to represent small business interests to governments and interestingly when the FSB was formed it was small businesses and the self-employed and freelancers but that mm -hmm. seems to have drifted a bit so maybe there's something about that education piece that we as a freelance community actually need to do more like Ed was saying earlier, how we support ourselves isn't just some of those practicalities of how we do our insurance, how we support ourselves with our tax returns or late payment or problem clients. It's actually more about how we support ourselves to build our collective future together as well. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, this is where I struggle with this a little bit because it is there you know there's the freelance heroes community of course i'm going to say that and just for the record no money was exchanged in um uh, adrian's eulogizing of the community at the start of his uh point um but um there's also of course ipsy which is the association of independent professionals and self-employed there's enterprise nation there's the fsb that you mentioned too so there are a lot of organizations whose job depending on who they are is to either to support the businesses to lobby the government to fight against things like IR35, to provide support around education for taxation, et cetera. So it is there, but there's clearly still something quite large missing from that. And I don't believe it's as simply as that it all needs to be housed under one roof. And I wonder whether some of it actually starts a lot sooner. Because one of the things that, so I get involved in doing enterprise education with colleges and universities. One of the things that the messages that I'm picking up time and again is the number of people who are saying, why didn't we learn about this in school? 
why isn't it in our curriculum? You know, we have enterprise days, but they're not really enterprise days if you dig into it. And actually, they'll probably be cut in favour of trying to do some more revision to get up the leap table and exam results. So maybe there's something about actually, you're right, you know, we've got enough over here, Ipsy, FSB and others, freelance heroes um, uh, and such like. But then also we need to be doing a piece more broadly. So maybe it's working with and through those bodies to try and lobby not just government about taxation and IR35, but Department for Education about the curriculum in schools so that actually we can shift, make this cultural shift so that people are better aware as we develop and think about the world of work to come into it. So when we come across a concept like bread funds, it's not so alien and weird to us and culturally difficult to, to grasp and it flows through a lot better. And maybe not in our lifetime, but in lifetimes to come. And this is maybe not why I'm on a soapbox, but starting to sound like a TEDx talk or a rallying cry. Sorry, I've gone off on one, haven't I? I'm, nothing, I'm, I'm never against the rallying cry when it's uh, for the uh, for the common good of uh, supporting freelancers. And, and there must be an element where you see this as well, either in Holland or in your conversations with other parts, sorry, Netherlands. I keep making that faux pas myself. Netherlands or other parts of uh, the uh, the Europe as well, um, where the support does differ, but the common need for self-education must be fairly consistent and, and must be something that is generally missed whether it is through the curriculum or, or whether it is at early levels it seems to be a common feeling across europe and given the millions of freelancers there are and this being a 2021 you know but forward thinking you know we're uh the, the things that we're developing creating now is extraordinary it seems to be a, a real missed opportunity do you see pockets of that changing anywhere janine The European Freelancers Week started in a conversation between three people, Matja uh, Raus, who I already talked about from um, Croatia, um, Frances Francesca Pesca from Italy, and Joel Delroy from Germany. That was the first. They were at a meeting of sort of freelance organizations. Each of them was part of the leadership of a freelance organization. And they had a meeting of freelance organizations, and this conversation gave rise to the EF Week. And that conversation was about, we are all, it's all different legal systems, it's all different structures, and the problems we face are the same. And that's what we need to talk about. And so I think, honestly, I think that at the, uh, sort of freelance organization level it would be nice um to have more of those kinds of you know conversational moments as it were where your organization and the other organizations in the uk have different goals you guys aren't really you guys aren't in competition with each other not really and so um I, th those kinds of uh, conversations, uh, I think, need to take place as well, because I think that much of this is just about leadership. I do think, here comes my political opinion, I think that um, in terms of, it's easier to explain when you talk about, um, well, when you talk about groups of people, and I, I've said it before a little bit in this conversation, groups of people tend to very quickly believe that it's that, that everyone is more or less on a level playing field, and it's the things that I did that led to whatever this outcome is, right? That there's no pensions, that there's no, right? I don't have a retirement, I don't have enough savings, whatever. This is the things that I did, the choices that I made. And um, the reality is there's a reason that you think that. And there's a great deal of social pressure starting in grammar school to get you to think that. And the fact is, um, most of these problems are structural and there it is, it is in the interest of the sort of, um, present status quo for, it's not, it's not like there's some kind of crazy conspiracy, but the, the status quo likes to remain stable. It doesn't like a lot of change. The reason that we have civil rights based on um, the notion of employment is because we had a labor movement, right? And if we're going to, I would like, you know, if, if we're going to have recognition of the freelancer and all of that, um, we, we need to have a, a, a non employed movement <laughs> it makes sense it makes sense um what um so in terms of the obviously ef week has come on and uh since its conception um and i'm going to ask you a question adrian that i asked uh janine and alina at the start but before i do that from janine can we expect 
more to take place outside of EF Week itself um, that supports freelancers from a European-wide perspective? We are driving, again, my organization is about um, co-working and, mm -hmm. and role, the way we see our role in this is to try and facilitate the action of freelancer groups. And so to the extent that, um, and this year, I think we're trying to drive um, those kinds of um, acting as a catalyst kind of projects um, through the year instead of just focusing on one week in October. Um, but, and, and I think, you know, the results in the last year have been um, helpful. I think that uh, you and Elena and Robert met each other and worked together on this simple thing, which is the EF week. And that is the start. And so, you know, Adam will drop it back in your lap. You tell me. I, um, it is my hope that we I can. I find I'm the host, but carry on. Uh, it is my hope that we can continue to get the really outstanding freelancer groups that we find as we sort of move through the world um, to uh, work with each other on these things. That's that's my hope. So my feeling is, is that the collaboration and shared knowledge is where the future is going to come from. So the likes of your incitement, although more on co-work, so, uh, your um, involvement and more on the co-working side. Um, but of course, there's the natural association between that and the freelance economy. Elena and freelance business as well and her exceptional mind and insight. Bernie Mitchell's too and Roberts and the freelance heroes community. I think it's more of a coming regular comings together to share resources and knowledge to do what you said at the very start, Janine, which is for us all to uh, to help each other because that's what's needed to be done. You've been following European Freelancers Week, Adrian. So a question I asked Janine and Alina, and they answered it from the inside. Uh, and I should, by the way, just give an opportunity, if anyone has any questions uh, for us, then, then do leave them in the comments box before we end. Um, but what's your take on the legacy of, of European freelancers, Week, Adrian? I'm going to... A few of us on the conversation this afternoon have said we're going to be political here. Um, none of us have kind of really ousted the elephant in the room, which is Brexit. I think in terms of the, the impact and legacy of Brexit for freelancers is only just being begun to be felt because it's created a wider political narrative which is starting to demonise the other, people who are not British. And we're hearing it in party speeches and, and rhetoric. And my concern is if we're trying to build this global community, whether it's across Europe or across the world, we, we're going to have to fight a lot harder for that. And I think European Freelancers Week is a way we can do that. But as we've heard, we need more of it. This isn't just the kind of, it's a nice thing to do for a few days. It has to be a concerted political, not a political party, but a deliberate choice to start to change the way we think about people in general and how we work. Uh, and as, as has been said, it's not just about starting a, you know, we need to start a, a new movement, you know, a, a non-employee movement. Um, and we need to be more open to learning about that. So, and it goes back to the idea about education. You know, how well do we understand work practices in the Netherlands or in Germany or in Italy? And actually, they're more similar than they are different. As mm. freelancers, we all have the same fears and hopes and dreams. And maybe, you know, European Freelancers Week is a way that we can start to realize that and, and maybe build it. But we need more things coming out of this. We need this to spill over. And so, okay, so for each of these events, you know, I would love to say, for example, actually, let's, let, let me kind of put this on the record now, because we can talk about stuff all the time. I'm going to go on record live, and I probably should think about this before I say it, but it's too late. I'm going to make a commitment that if anyone is watching this stream live or on catch up in England or across any other country in the world, particularly Europe, now, bear in mind, I'm British, therefore... I don't really speak any other language, I'm afraid. I, I did try to learn German at school, but my German teachers were Welsh and Irish. So the accent's <laughs> all off. But if you want to start a conversation, I am happy to if look me up online, send me a message. I will commit to having a conversation with anyone who says, okay, how do we start to work this out? Let's kind of keep swapping stories. Who do we know? What ideas can we come up with? So this isn't just a kind of a nice space this afternoon in this week 
I'm putting myself out there saying if I will make a commitment that if anyone wants to get in touch with me and say, how can we start to think about influencing the curriculum in schools? How can we start to think about changing the way we think about freelancing across borders? I will make space somehow, somewhere in my calendar over the next few weeks and months to host something with whoever wants to be part of that. Uh, we can even do more of these. Uh, Adrian Ashton, if you're listening to this, by the way, is where you is the man you need to uh, to look up to uh, bombard him. Um, I normally finish these chats. I like there to be a, a call to action, a plan. A, you know, let those who are watching or listening live or on catch up to do something as a result of the conversations we've covered so much from freelancers' image problem to uh, political support and internal support and. Brexit and, and other bits as well. Janine, if you for freelancers who are listening to this or watching this, what would you say to help us overcome the image problem that we have or the best way that we can support ourselves internally? And I mean that within the, the uh, uh, freelance community, either within our own country or across Europe. What would you say? What would you suggest to a freelancer watching or listening in that they could do more of or start doing or stop doing? Find three other freelancers and do one thing. I mean, honestly, it, it starts people. I have been uh, involved in various kinds of political activism since I was a teenager. Um, and it it starts with about three or four, always. It starts with three or four people and it starts with doing one thing and then doing one thing and then doing one thing. And you just keep do it, 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 it the things it's really hard to explain it is so it starts so small and you spend so much time feeling that it's all entirely futile and yet it is the only way the world has ever been changed is by doing a small number of people doing one thing and then other people see them and then they do one thing and so um i start a movement do one thing <laughs> um and it 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 you know, the, the assembly has going now um, our IDEA project, inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. Um, the, the one thing that I do regularly and structurally is, is I am, I have specific interest in accessibility of um, pretty much across all fronts. And um, that it, it is not necessary to change everything all at once. It is necessary to change one thing and, and do it a lot. <laughs> brilliant uh adrian same question to you take more risks <laughs> and if you're a bit nervous of what happens if my, things might go wrong then use my name to pin it on and say adrian said i should do that and it's his fault that it hasn't worked out but just you would be as, as we've heard you would be amazed what can happen if we just do that one little thing that we look around and everyone goes oh yes yeah, someone should do that and just take that first step and you know it's not that scary once you take that first step um i'm going to add mine i don't normally do this i normally just ask the guests but i'm going to add mine as well and it's partly with janine uh, which is when you find those three fi find those three and stay close to them because no freelancer is an island. Um, and uh, which is one thing, as Adrian well knows, is a line I repeat um, a lot. And the simple reason for that is it doesn't matter how sharp you are, how skilled you are, no one can do it all on their own. Um, and getting insight and support through the highs and the lows and celebrate our wins. It's not all about negativity. Celebrate our wins um, and deal with the lows because no one is just a freelancer um we are um freelancers is the legal term if you like it's what we call ourselves what we prefer not to call ourselves that's irrelevant but freelancers you are a skilled uh person um you just might be new to the business side of it and that's all uh, and we're and freelancers are here to help um i've enjoyed this we should do this again that's for sure um i will put this on the uh, freelance heroes website too and put links to uh, janine van der linden and adrian ashton and also to alina too uh, and to european freelancers week uh, there's a couple more days to go of your european freelancers week if you're watching this live uh what's still to come janine we always include both weekends. That's why, um, as you said, actually the joke you made about uh, European Freelancers Week is more than a week has been running around since the first European Freelancers Week. And um, 
And yeah, the reason is indeed that we want to have both weekends for the events. Um, all of the things that are still yet to come, the closing is this. Um, and now it's it's a question of the ingathering of the learnings and the experiences and all of that stuff for the next several days. Everything that's happening for the next several days, you can find on um, Freelance Business Month, the website, or uh, the European Freelancers Week, the website. So which is freelancersweek.org. Um, Janine, Adrian, Elida, when you watch this back, uh, thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, it's been a packed hour. Uh, it's lovely. I feel always inspired when I chat with you guys, and uh, I look forward to, to doing this again soon. But thank you very much. Thank you to Janine, to Adrian, to Elida, and thank you to the contributors as well to sharing their views on how they see the state of freelancing. Great episode to start with. Uh, as well. Uh, what do you think? Um, what's the state of freelancing to you? Uh, drop us a line, podcast at freelance-heroes.com or just post it on social media using the hashtag freelanceheroes. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.